Estás escuchando Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Hello and welcome back to the, the official Twitch for Radio Primavera Sound. We have a very, very special guest with us here in the studio, Colleen. Hi, hello. Nice Hi. to, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Do, do you know what happened? Because basically at the start, the start of the week, I always put up a list of what we're doing in Twitch. And when I put your name up, everyone's like, ah, oh, Colleen, yeah, wow, I really, really like Colleen. Everyone's like, yeah, really pleased. So there we go. Thank you. It's, it's, it's cool because... Uh, you are well known as an artist, but uh, in in the world of uh, pop music, no, you you, you we, we would be considered more an experimental artist. Yes, you, that's you know? right. Yes, but you, ever since you sang on many of your records, you could you could go into the terrain of what is considered. I say pop in this in in the parentheses. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Uh, like, uh, I, what can you tell us? What's the difference for, from your point of view as a professional artist? Um, how do you, how do these two worlds collide for you? Okay, uh, I think they just collide naturally in the same way that they they just happen to exist in my life. So I started music. Um, uh, through the Beatles, basically. I mean, there's earlier stuff, but I would say the Beatles triggered me to start learning an instrument and compose. So definitely you can't get more uh, pop than the Beatles. But then pretty rapidly I um, shifted to other things. And throughout my life, I've just listened to so many genres of music and I, I don't even feel the need to pigeonhole myself at all and it's it's weird because when I started my first album was samples so I was labeled as electronica or even folktronica that was the term oh, like, yeah. Yeah, like tw- yeah, yeah, 20 years ago yeah. Yeah, yeah. leaf gaze leaf gaze yeah <laughs> yeah and um, even though my samples were purely acoustic, so I think there was always a weird thing going on of uh, me being... Uh, and, and then my third album was purely acoustic with Baroque instruments. So, um, yeah, in, in, in a way it doesn't really matter. And I know I, um, I stand in a weird kind of a limbo in terms of recognition. Like, I feel sometimes I have a lot of recognition, but still I'm not necessarily, like, super well-known, but... Uh, I'm just happy to be doing what I'm doing. You know, I don't ask myself too many questions. It's just so good to still make music after you know uh, 20 years of publishing records. So, yeah, you know, and you can so. play anywhere in the world, right? You've traveled yes, all over pretty, the world. Yes, pretty much so. I, I want to ask a very self-indulgent question, if I may, because I yeah. we we were sort of debating what what language to to do ah, this in, yeah. and um, I, I found out that you were an English teacher in yeah. in Kwasi. Yeah. Yes. Um, at the in the uh, end of the nineties, roughly. Yes, beginning of the two thousands. Yes, uh, I think it's two thousand two to two thousand six. So I was also briefly an English assistant um, uh. around about that time, and I was really happy to leave that job. So, uh, how <laughs> yeah. happy were you to? Okay, I have a pretty harsh assessment of the French uh, education system. In a way, I was reluctantly part of it, and I actually did my best to kind of uh, go around its limitations as a teacher. So I'll just give one example. Um, I was really into cinema, and I um, I had my students study Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. which definitely wasn't on the <laughs> curriculum, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I wasn't really following the books because I thought they were kind of... Uh, insulting to young people's sensibilities like I didn't I I thought they weren't really respectful of the fact that uh, 
teenagers are our people, basically, <laughs> to put it uh, briefly. Um, and I actually like the, um, the relation uh, to the uh, pupils. I think on the whole, I had some really nice students. And, um, and I was disappointed, though, by the, um, the teachers, I have to say. So, yeah, so when I had to, so I only taught, uh, I think it was two years full time. Then I released my first album on Leaf and that immediately uh, worked quite well. And I had a crazy two, three years where I worked part time as a teacher. And then I was doing these shows uh, on the weekends. Yeah. And then it got to a kind of like a point of no return because one weekend I um, I got a special permission to go and play in uh, L.A. It was Arthur Fest, if some people remember Arthur magazine in the 2000 uh, something. And uh, yeah, and it was pretty insane to fly back from L.A. to Paris and then go to Poissy. And I thought, I can't really sustain this. So I asked for a sabbatical, to put it short, I asked for a sabbatical. First it was denied, then it was given. And after one year of uh, not teaching, I asked for a renewal. It was denied for good. And I said, well, you know, I, uh, bye-bye. Like, I have to resign from, from this. Children of Poissy, teach yourselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> did any of your students become fans of your music? I think uh, they, okay, so they did find out. It was uh, pretty massive for them to find out their teacher was uh, someone with another life. And I, uh, I know that some listened to the records and they even bought CDs. And I even had some students come to a show in Paris once. Uh, yeah, other than that, you know, I haven't heard back from them. So mm. <laughs> they're probably out there. <laughs> so you, you are um, one of the things we like most, which is an international artist who's come to live in Barcelona, made, made it your home. Um, and you've been here since roughly pandemic time, right? Yes, a little earlier, like one year earlier. Yeah. One year before the pandemic. Wow. Mm. <laughs> you saw the two Barcelonas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But and three now, I think, because now I think it's something else. Yeah. It's like tourism is worse, for instance. Yeah. But maybe we shouldn't talk about tourism. <laughs> well, I was just wondering how it, 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 it had inspired your music being in Barcelona, like if you've seen a change. OK, I wouldn't say there's a direct inspiration, uh, but it so happens that uh, my move here coincided with like a really, really big change in my personal life which brought me to um, just really, uh, how can I say that? Because uh, it's going to sound really cliche, but I don't know, like just really put everything on the table. I really had to because it was such a big change. I also had some health issues that really bogged me down for a couple of years. And so in a way, that dramatic moment turned out to be um, uh, really positive. Hmm. And um, and the funny thing is, uh, going through this uh, sparked a new wave of creativity. In fact, it's the biggest wave of creativity I've ever ridden, um, which is which I wasn't expecting. Because I think as you get older as an artist, uh, I mean, I think if you create, we've all been there thinking maybe like the source from which this comes, which is kind of a mysterious thing, like it could... Um, Tarry, is that the word? Like it could, uh, no, maybe that's not the word. It could become dry. In yeah, a way. dry out. Mm. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting to be all of a sudden like um, really creative, but uh, but I, I did become more creative. I guess the pandemic also gave me the opportunity to be more focused at home. And um, so, yeah, I think the inspiration is mostly that it's coincided with this, um, this new direction in my life. Uh, well, you have a song uh, from that period uh, when you were, you know, in Barcelona and after 
the, the, the breakup that, yes, that yes. was such an impact in your life. Uh, a song called Gazing at Taurus, Santa Eulalia, yes, which is yes. basically how you would look at details in the city and you would and it would make you happy no, to see the statue of Santa Eulalia. Yeah, or it would become a symbol of the moment I was uh, going through. And obviously I'm not comparing myself with the saint Santa Eulalia because that would be really stupid. Um But yeah, there was something beautiful about seeing the uh, statue at the top of the cathedral. Now the cathedral square has become the uh, bane of my life, mm. uh, especially with the Christmas market right now. But um, but yeah, that song is kind of my homage to to um, to Barcelona and how, like, I really feel the for that year the uh, city became my uh, my haven. I really loved uh, just walking through the city and exploring it, and I think for all its flaws which I think are mostly due to um, the, the tourism the thing, tourism, yeah. the mass tourism. Uh, it remains an incredible city. And when mm. I, for instance, when I go home, I'm from a really small town in, in France. I can't help but see how how wonderful it is, really. I think if you come from, I think it's easy to become jaded. Uh, but if you come from a really great, flat, no cultural life area, actually, when I come back here, I'm like, hey, This is actually this is actually pretty good. But this is strange to me to hear because France is kind of like one of the strongest cultural countries in the world yes, in the sense of. Yes, but it depends. It depends where you are. It's like in Spain, if you come from a really isolated uh, or a small town, yeah. and if you come from Madrid or Barcelona, that's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did have a really brilliant time in Paris for 11 years. I think mm. that city was very. A pivotal to how I approach music as well. That's where I was able to, you know, go to good record shops. And that was the time when you were still like listening to records on these like listening stations. Uh, I did that for like uh, two, three years when I was still studying English over there. And then um, I used to go to the uh, public libraries and just borrow like so many records. Like I can still remember like borrowing like Autica and Boards of Canada, you know, that I borrowed them. Because I didn't have any money to from buy. a library. Yeah, for oh yeah, the public libraries have everything. Um, uh, Liquid Swords by Jiza. Uh, that's also a record that I borrowed there. Wow, uh, so much stuff. Yeah, I yeah. Some people like they curate the collection. You know, some guys who are like really into music, and they're given the job of like curating. That know. is such a dream job. What? Yeah, it is. No, mm. but like Barcelona public libraries have quite good mm. music in sometimes as well. But I, I was about to with, say, yeah. yeah. No, with the internet, I guess now there's not so much of a pull towards uh, public places. But mm. uh, 20 years ago, that was a, a different story. Yeah, I, I used to do. I used to go into my my public library in, in Paris as well. I used to sort of uh, get out a lot of like, really good music as well. Like I remember, you know, because I couldn't really afford to buy it. They had mm. loads of things. Big e up. E Ethiopic, for instance, I got the whole series <sighs> from. Um, yeah. Little cassette copy, maybe. Uh, no CD. Ah. <laughs> I used to yeah, burn yeah, CDs. CDs. I burned many. I burned many CDs. Yeah, you had to do what you had to do. You know, it, it, look. Well, uh, uh, that's another. That's another garden. But going back to this, uh, the concept of finding happiness in small little details of a city like Barcelona. What details of the city uh, are making you happy right now? Like that you like. You know, you mentioned in some interview that sometimes it can be uh, the perfect coffee at 11 in the morning. But be specific here. Uh, yeah, I read it somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> you, you said it kind of, you must have said it off the, on the fly. Yeah. Yeah, but you were talking about gazing at Taurus and uh, Santa mm. Eulalia, how that, you know, that statue would bring a sense of joy. What other little details of Barcelona are making you feel little impacts of joy? Okay, I have to be uh, honest. Uh, there are fewer of them now. I think 
mostly because my head is in a lot of uh, work things. And when I say work, I mean from promotion to actually thinking about music, rehearsing and stuff. So I feel I'm less present in the city, which is kind of a shame. Um, I am actually going to say that I'm not going to tell you my favorite places right now because I want them to kind of like remain secret. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I actually am really enjoying going to uh, El Maresma. Yeah. So going to uh, one of my close collaborators, um, uh, Luis Toroja, he's my uh, kind of like my official like press photographer now. And he he did a, like a mini documentary on my previous album, The Tunnel and the Clearing. He lives over there. I was with him uh, yesterday. And just when I arrived in Mongat, it was like brilliant, you know, 20 minutes away from Plaza de Catalunya. Yeah. And it feels like a different world, yeah. a different pace. So I really like going up to these small towns outside of Barcelona. And yeah. Out. Is that where the picture? There's a recent press picture you you took, which you kind of see. Oh. It's like on a on a rooftop, and you can see some sort of chimneys in the background. Oh, can that's not it? a rooftop. Uh -huh. That's uh, yeah, actually, that's where, well, that's where Primavera Sound takes place. It's just slightly off, and it's the uh, chimneys of the chimneys uh, of the, uh, the uh, uh, Central de. Um, Maria del Besos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Which yeah. is my favorite. Okay. That's my favorite landmark actually in, in Barcelona. It's yeah, well, the San, three it's chimneys. San, San Andrea, technically speaking, but I think it's just, and I dream of someone making a cultural center over there. I, I think know. this would be amazing. And and you've got that, f uh, uh, that Anis uh, Fabrica nearby yeah, there as well, like the, yeah. that still has, you know, the iconic sort of uh, logo of the yeah, yeah. Anis the monkey. Uh, bottle monkey. That whole area, I know I, I sometimes cycle down that area mm. as well because it's, it's super yeah. chill. There's no one ever there. And yeah. uh, and then you've got the little Chinatown happening there where there's lots of like Chinese restaurants oh, and stores. Yeah. There's this huge like hypermarket of just uh, Asian products much cheaper than because uh -huh. that's where they buy them to sell them in yeah. the smaller supermarkets so if you want to go I don't know and stack up on yeah. sesame oil and stuff like that that's the place to go yeah actually I, I know uh, one place I still uh, like a lot is um, the uh, Espigon of uh, Hotel Vela the, um, yeah. the jetty and also I associate it with um, uh, fun moments funny moments after the um when we got out of the pandemic and we were allowed to go out for like two three hours yeah. just people like training like crazy yeah. Yeah. and like really uh overdoing it but yeah. in a really in a really chill way which is one of the things i appreciate most about barcelona is this spirit of tolerance that you have on the whole and like people i don't know if they just want to do crazy stuff outside like they don't mind being seen it's yeah. perfectly normal and i think that's actually pretty pretty rare so i kind of like that and riding my bike along the along the sea that's that's yeah. also one thing i like all that area uh, because there's so many glass buildings with yeah, where, where you can people doing, doing the their dance routines yeah. like teenagers yeah, that's, yeah. that's like all over Barcelona, the forum, wherever there's like even yes, this office, yeah, 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 yeah. all the, the thirty teenagers getting together, you know, and doing this their dance routines. This happens a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah, because like, uh, it's like what a great way to spend your time. Other other teenagers, they're like doing their selfies for their Instagrams, mm -hmm. and they're like posing, like, "Hey, now take my photo with the palm trees," whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but at least they're staying out of trouble. <laughs> and skaters. Uh, um, I, I want to ask about your your most recent album, Le Jour et la Nuit du Réel. Album of the year for me. Really. Right now, I feel that it's my favorite record of the year. Wow. Okay. Thank you. I uh, and and don't ask him what his is. Don't. Let's not go hang there. On, hang on. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> Do you like Lancome? We seem to be talking a lot about Lancome today. The Irish folk quartet. No, never mind. Never mind. I love no. them. He hates them. We're. we're uh, I don't hate them. them. I don't hate them. I'm just. I saying. thought you were talking about the. Uh, 
perfume brand Lancome. And no, I no, 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 Lancome uh, with a K, not Lancome. No, no <laughs> never mind. Anyway, uh, but uh, congratulations on oh, Le Jour et la Nuit d'Aurel. Uh, Merci. It started off as an album of songs with lyrics uh-huh. um, and evolved. Why did you decide to change? Uh, it happened very organically, like uh, everything I do. I think I always start albums uh, with an idea in my head uh, or even a concept. And then I do have to let the music dictate um, what is really like essential. Um, so I had these songs where uh, I was using the lyrics uh, real or reality as a kind of like a um, thread. But then I had so many ideas for that record and I got simultaneously, I got into synthesis like really heavily. I just fell in love uh, head over heels with the synthesis via my um, Moog grandmother synthesizer. And um, basically I think uh, the thing that you pour most energy into is the thing you get better at. So I could see I was starting to um, get some really like uh, powerful uh, to me um, uh, musical moments with the grandmother, and that the rest was kind of uh, getting on the uh, on on I don't know was being left on the side. And then at one point I looked at the list of uh, song embryos. I usually call them like that. Um, and I thought, you know what, this is going to be like really indigestible. This is like a, a, a meal with like 10 starters and 12 main courses. That's not going to work. And I, and so I had this concept in mind, which is kind of hard to explain in few words, but it was about the trying to explore the concept of reality, uh, both um, real reality, but also emotional reality. Uh, the reality of someone who might have um, mental health problems or a neurological disease. Uh, this part being inspired by the fact that my dad has Alzheimer's and um, right as I was making the album, like he was really like sleeping, slipping deeper into the um, into the disease. And I was often telling my mom, you know, he, he lives in a parallel reality. So I was really like questioning this this concept. And uh, with synthesis, you can take a same sequence of notes, like the exact same thing, and then through how you um, how you patch your synth if, through your settings, you can end up with things that sound like completely different. And and I realized, okay, this is the best. This is the best expression of my concept. This is like way more powerful. It's also it's also more subtle. And so I thought, okay, I'm ditching the lyrics. I'm ditching the drum machine, the organ. And it's just going to be the grandmother into my two favorite delays, and that's it. Because it's div- and the album is divided into day and night sections. Mm, yeah. Do you? I was wondering. Do you make music at, during the day or at night, or does it depend? Uh, both. Right? I uh, I have an ins. Well, I had. Let's be optimistic. I had an insomnia problem, uh, and uh, so I try not to. If I get inspired in the evening, I try to be kind of serious and maybe stop it. 12 or 1 in the morning max Um, and then with this album the thing that happened was I managed to uh, discipline myself in a way that had never happened before because I actually find it hard to just concentrate and make music I always uh, there's always the pull to maybe okay check my email I always have email email that I must reply to Mm. or uh, hey maybe I should cook something now or the cats that I have two cats (laughs) hey the cats want my attention you know um, so I forgot what the question was. Um, do, you, do you work more oh, yeah, at night uh, yeah, or a yeah. day? No, so uh, I work in the... I'm not a morning person. I hate uh, getting up. 
so it's usually afternoons and late evening. I really like that. Well, we are familiar with one of your cats, at yeah, least. Yeah, let's uh, see if we let's, can see this. Let's see if we, we can we see your video. Love this this video. <laughs> there he is, uh, fast asleep. What's his or her uh, that's, name? That's uh, Sol. He's a guy. The two guys. Sol. And the other Sol. one? Uh, Clay. Clay. Like the painter Paul Clay. And ah. d- does he usually sleep there? <laughs> uh, he loves, uh, it's a problem. Actually, uh, I've made uh, two more videos recently and I've had to keep him out of the studio. <laughs> he's basically, well, he's obsessed with being with me and he's obsessed with, he really loves the studio. Some, sometimes he sleeps on uh, the studio table. He does love getting up on the space echo. He steps over everything. He's the king of everything, basically. Has and, there ever uh, been any problem? Like, does he do his doo-doo and pee-pee? No, 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 no. They're super, both of them are super great about that. They've never, yeah. there's never any accident. Yeah. So, cats, um, cats are good in that. You know, a dog would be different maybe. Well, you know. some, I have some friends who have cats and there have been uh, accidents on gear. So, oh. uh, but the crazy thing about Sol is uh, there, there are sliding doors in this flat. Yeah. And Sol has learned how to open the sliding door which is really heavy with wow. his uh, claws oh so, so it's like a horror movie it's like oh a Jack God. Nicholson <laughs> all of a sudden you hear the door and you see the pole like uh, getting in <laughs> yeah do, uh, do you store and collect a lot of equipment I am actually um, I'm actually remarkably uh, adverse to buying gear compared to a lot of people. I think I'm unusual in that sense. In general, uh, having lots of things around me just uh, makes me nervous. I mm. don't like it, whether that's, you know, uh, clothing, shoes, books, records. I, uh, I, th- I tend to thrive in a minimal environment and creatively. It really helps me to have just um, very few um, instruments. So, for instance, if we look at these videos, um, it looks like I have a, a little, yeah, I guess some people would say not much gear. Other people would say that's, well, in any case, it's, it's very, it's very, very nice uh, gear. And the thing is, um, I've been lucky enough to start working with uh, Moog, uh, Moog synthesizers uh, in 2017. Mm-hmm. And um, this went beyond my expectations because when I met them, I had never been given any single piece of equipment. And I was always wondering, like, how do other people get uh, companies to give them gear? Yeah, Fender guitars. and <laughs> Yeah, whatever. And um, and so I went for a session at their Moog Sound Lab, and uh, that was to mark the end of the uh, the production of the Moog Fuga pedals, which are, like, really iconic and now cost a lot of money. And um, they gave me three Mugafugas at the end. They were even going to give me four, but I wasn't. I didn't have wow. the capacity to bring them back. And after that, they gave me the grandmother. So I think I would have probably bought a Mug synthesizer even if they hadn't gifted me the grandmother. But and maybe it would have been the grandmother, but I I don't know. And recently, um, they asked me to better test the plugins version of the Mugafugas. Wow! And they were going to pay me, and I said, hey, instead of of paying me with money. Uh, would you would you be okay uh, paying me with uh, a matriarch, which is their other synth, like main synth, and said yes, sure. So so the amount of gear that I have is actually a lot of it has been gifted, which blows my mind. They wow. sound like nice people. Yeah, yeah, what was it like? Yeah, like you went all the way so to North Carolina, right? You, to the yes, studio yes, and the yes, yes, fa- and the factory. Factory. Yeah. What well, was what's it like? Is it is it, it like a, a ma- typical small village? And it's a small town. It's remarkable. I guess it would be the equivalent of having Moog in Girona. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah, I was going to say Vic, but probably more, no, probably more like Girona. 
Uh, it was amazing. Uh, sadly, they've been sold to uh, kind of like a, a, a big conglomerate that has uh, many more companies and people are really pissed off uh, because uh, mm. I think I'm not mistaken if I say half of the workforce was laid off or, Oof. you know, yeah. I think the yeah. idea is that they were laid off with a nice package, but I'm not sure how true yeah, that is. And the people I was in touch with, um, they're gone now. So I think it's uh, I think it was a kind of a miracle that I managed to get yeah, um, this work relationship with them, and I'm not really counting on it anymore. But that's I guess you know it's the way you have the grandmother and you have the matriarch and, and the yeah. matriarch, and I, I think it's the way things go. How um, come they have sort of female names? I don't for know. Their, <laughs> I don't know. You it's, know, grandmother, the matriarch. You know, it's very I, I, matriarchal. I yeah, yeah. I don't know that. It's kind of cool. Cool, right? It's like you know, from a, an American company where I'm, like, where I'm. Well, I don't know. When you got there, like, was it diverse? The the crew, uh, the people yes, working and there. And actually, there were definitely some ladies. I would say in their mid to late fifties on the. Uh, um, you know, uh, assembling synthesizers. Well, which, I mean, historically. Which, which surprised me. I mean, it, it was surprising me. I was expecting to see uh, mostly uh, men in their 30s, 40s, and young, younger people. Who were, were hang on, who, who, wasn't there a story behind the Mexican lady who made the circuits for ah, the, uh, the, it was an amplifier. It wasn't a synth. I think it was an amplifier. And I think uh, she worked for Fender. Uh, I don't know. Um, there are th uh, several stories about ladies. I think there's one in Japan. Uh, I, I don't want to say something that's uh, not as um, true, but I think there's also there's also been a story about a, a Japanese lady who's now really old and who was working maybe for Roland or Korg or yeah. like one of the big companies. Yeah, yeah, because mm. they were, you know, they they they, they were, it, I don't know, it's a cliche, but the the a lot of the and, and a lot of these companies back in the days in the 60s or 50s when all these companies were bigger, um, yeah, the workforce the women were very good with with small circuitry because you know the, yeah. especially if they'd been accustomed to seamstress. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm making things up now. Just, just, <laughs> no, no. Um, but I, I saw clothes. Uh, most wow. of my clothes I saw. So uh, yeah, but so, I don't. I don't sold her actually. I ha and I have a a lot of respect for people who make synthesizers, people who can repair them. That yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's kind of a lost art for it's a because technology is changing and evolving. Mm. But uh, I didn't. I still haven't seen it. Did you see Sisters with Transistors? I did. I did. Yeah, very very beautiful documentary. Yes. Yeah, because uh, you know Eliane Radigue and all these, uh, mm. and, and, and you can watch it on Kaiser Forum Plus. There we go. And filming, and it's on filming. Ah, it's yeah. on filming. So yeah. Uh, okay. um, I I want to ask brief, briefly um, on, from Cats because you released uh, in June conditional Moog uh, for animal shelters. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is it uh, presumably that's a um, animal welfare or something that's. Because you support uh, a shelter for greyhounds, right? For yes, Galvos. well, that's just this month, so it's brilliant that we can talk about this. Um, so yeah, so I adopted my two cats from the Liga de Protección de los Animales aquí mm -hmm. in Barcelona, and um, basically, so conditional is this song that I made to better test the plugins. And uh, Moog said, okay, we're going to put it on our SoundCloud, but after three months, you you get the rights back, you do whatever you want with it. Very nice. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's so nice people. I, I did the same thing for the um, the session that I had made for uh, the um, actual uh, physical uh, Moogafugas in the sound lab. And I put it on Bandcamp, and I think I got maybe like $126 uh, the first month of sales. And... Um, 
I think because I'm following and liking the uh, the posts of the Liga de Protección de Aquí, de Barcelona, mm-hmm. uh, a shelter in Colombia started following me. And I was so impressed with the way... They, so it's a dog shelter. Uh, the dogs are uh, basically free. So it's a very different system to how most shelters operate in Europe, I think, because mostly... Um, Dogs are kept in cages in shelters. And uh, these are like really big dogs, like 90 huge dogs. And they just seem to get on well um, together so well. And I was also thinking, wow, uh, I'm not a specialist of um, Colombia and Latin America, but um, I know from friends who are from there that uh, there are like very serious um, human rights issues, uh, violence issues. And I was thinking of... The amount of courage it takes for people who could just, you know, just be preoccupied enough with just, um, you know, protecting their own skin, basically. And I was mm. thinking, wow, like the amount of commitment um, it takes to go to your shelter, which is basically, you know, it's a, a how can I say that? It's just like a rough, um, oh, what do you call that? Like just g- ground, you know, yeah. it's rough ground. Uh, you've got 90 dogs and it's about, you know... Um, saving as many as you can and feeding them, which like 90 dogs. I mean, when I see like the amount of food my cats eat, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. and I thought, hey, uh, actually, I, I don't need those uh, $126. You know, I'm lucky enough that I make a good living from my music. And I thought, I'll just give it to them. And I thought, hey, why don't I do that just every month? Pick a different um, shelter or What's rescue that? organization. So there was them, then there was a foundation, uh, Fondation Trifolium, which is in Castel de Fels. Mm-hmm. They do cats and dogs. They actually have the dogs also like uh, free, uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, then I did for uh, two months uh, organizations uh, in Ukraine, because also um, mm. it's really impressive as well that in the middle of a war, people are still trying to save animals over there. Yeah. And yes, and this month I decided to do something for Galgos, the Spanish greyhounds, because that's a that's a massive scandal in Spain. Uh, because these um, greyhounds, for people who don't know, uh, greyhounds are not considered animals; they are considered tools of the hunters who use them. Wow! Which means basically, you can torture, you can kill, you can abandon a greyhound, that is, that's no problem uh, you know, uh, Span- Spanish law yeah. doesn't care. Doesn't protect them and like they protect a, others. Yeah, and there's been a reform uh, of animal welfare recently and again they left hunting dogs uh, out of the uh, yeah, which is makes no sense and... Um, is that because there's a strong lobby from I, hunters? I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure that's the case. So there are about 50,000 50, Galgos abandoned every year. Oh which, my god! Yeah, yeah, which it's really insane. At the end of the hunting season, when they're no longer good for hunting. Oh yeah. So uh, yes. Yeah, so this month, if people uh, want to like um, give a helping hand, uh, it goes to a foundation in Sevilla. And so basically, the the idea is that you go on my Bandcamp, uh, you buy uh, one of the t- two MOOC collaborations that I've done, and I give hundred percent of the uh, donation. Uh, I cover the PayPal fees, I cover the uh, Bandcamp fees, uh-huh. and I send that to the foundation at the end of the month. I, I thought one thing that was fascinating was uh, looking at your Bandcamp. You said exactly how much every month. So it was yes. like you, you could know exactly how many, well, basically, you, how many you know, downloads you'd sold. And I thought it was really, really transparent, which I really well, enjoyed. I, you know, I, it's like I'm, this month. I'm very new to this, and I'm trying to... Uh, I mean, I'm very grateful that people have given, uh, I think we are at uh, one th- more than $1,200 in, what, five months? I think mm-hmm. that's really crazy. Wow. 
Um, and I'm going to open it to more songs as well because I understand like people maybe, you know, they're not going to buy the same song yeah. several times. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, so being transparent is the least I can do, you know. And I'm, I'm kind of new to this. Uh, like text-wise, it's not going to work out very well <laughs> for me because, for instance, the Ukrainian organization, you know, they have other things to do than send me a text yeah. certificate. Yeah. But it's like, okay, I, I don't care, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's mm. just very... Uh, grateful that people are into it with me yeah that's yeah. good to do well tom uh, to Tomo is it tomorrow uh, tomorrow tom yeah tomorrow you're performing at the auditorium here in yes. right there uh, the auditorio yes, here close. of catalonia uh, what a beautiful place to play! What a great place! Yes. And what yeah. a great place to listen. Will it will it be mainly focused on on this album because it's, it's just this album? Yes. Oh. yes. I hope you're coming. Then. Uh, I am going to do as what I, what I have to. I have. To, He's I don't got have very two cats. I've got two little yeah. girls, okay. and I just had a work trip yesterday. Long story. Um, okay. So let me see how I can. It's at eight o'clock, and it's just me. So. Uh, and it's no. eight o'clock. Okay, yes, but bedtime no. hour is the, the, that's the crucial one. But let, I'm going to do everything to in my sleep power with some with some lovely mode. If I could take them to the I gig, but say. I know. But uh, okay, okay. Uh, but really, it is it is a, a fascinating work of art. Le jour et la nuit d'Urel. Uh, congratulations, uh, Colleen, you. on your career on everything. Uh, thank you so much for coming oh, in. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Anytime you want to come back, you're <laughs> okay. you're very 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 welcome. welcome. Very welcome. Thank, thank you so much. Estás escuchando. Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Kukra.